So welcome back. My name is Chris Gosling from Australian Fund Monitors and welcome to our first manager interview of 2022. We're going to be talking to Rob Hay from Collins Street Asset Management, a fund that's had a particularly good series of returns since inception, but also over the last three years where they've returned well over 25% per annum uh, three years in a row. In fact, uh, one year over 30% per annum. Last year was 25.5%. Uh, so welcome, Rob, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about last year and how you achieved those kind of returns. Happy New Year, Chris, and thank you for the opportunity to join you today. Chris, certainly 2021 was a fascinating and interesting year on many fronts. There was a lot of volatility across the markets, and certainly within our portfolio, we had... Uh, we weren't immune from that either. That being said, as you say, we were able to generate 25%. And it was quite pleasing to see those returns come from a number of different parts of the portfolio. We had some very topical investments in areas such as uranium and oil, which produced good returns for us. But we also had some more long-term compounding growth stories, such as National Tire and Wheel also drive our returns. We're very fortunate with the mandate that our investors have entrusted us with to be able to hold as much or as little cash as we like. And so throughout the course of the year, we are able to deploy that cash into a number of special situation opportunities, be they takeover arbitrage or convertible notes, which also contributed quite strongly to our returns. It seems, Rob, as if it's a fairly unconstrained strategy or implementation of that strategy. So you're not locked in to uh, what's happening in the macro world. You can take special situations, you can take themes, you can see what's moving and invest accordingly, or as you say, go to cash accordingly if you see that there aren't good opportunities or there's risk on the horizon. Hmm. Can I just ask to what extent you use uh, the macro? Because we're coming into 2022 or in 2022, and there's significant changes afoot. There have been arguments about interest rates and tapering and, and, uh, and central bank intervention. That does seem to be finally coming to an end. It's been threatened for some time. To what extent does that affect you when you're looking at the macro going forward? Chris, I think it was Warren Buffett who famously said that even if the chairman of the Fed whispered in his ear what the next interest rate decision would be, it wouldn't alter the way that he's positioned the Berkshire Hathaway portfolio one little bit. And for us, macroeconomic issues are certainly relevant, but we don't live and die by them. And it's important to bear in mind, Chris, that when we're thinking about putting together a portfolio and when we're looking for wonderful ideas to introduce, at the heart of what we're looking for is simplicity. Because the more things that have to go right, the more complex the discounted cash flow models have to become, and the more dependencies there are in the chain of success, the more likely there is to be something go wrong. And someone once pointed out to me that, suppose, Chris, that you were, uh, you or anybody for that matter, uh, was a particular guru on matters of finance, such that they got an average success rate of 70%. So every single thing that they could predict, they were 70% right. If the stock or the investment idea they were looking at only had one dependency, then it stands to reason they'd have a seven out of 10 chance of getting that right. 
which I think anybody would say is a pretty good outcome. But what if there were more dependencies or more links in the chain and we introduced a second one? All of a sudden, you go from one dependency at 70% to two dependencies, you have 70% of 70%. You actually drop to 49% and it becomes less than an even money chance that you're going to get it right. And so for us, we're not looking for low-hanging fruit. We're looking for fruit that's already there on the ground that's easy to pick up. Effectively, Chris, we're looking for watermelons. And there aren't that many of them on the ASX. There aren't that many that present themselves. But where they are, we do like to back them with conviction in our portfolio. And I think this is one of the reasons why we're quite concentrated in only 8 to 20 positions at any one time, because we don't try and seek to be all things to all people. We consider ourselves investors in businesses and try and avoid the speculation on noise because really trying to predict where interest rates might go or inflation, unemployment, or the rate of tapering even is really a fool's errand. And when looking at building a portfolio, you have to be very careful not to confuse productivity and activity as being the same thing because you can very easily dilute your research effort and very easily dilute your investors' returns by focusing on those things you can't control or those things which are very difficult or complex to model out with any degree of accuracy. So, Rob, that's quite contrarian. Most funds and fund managers we speak to say we look at the macro and then we decide where to deploy, whether it's uh, thematic or whatever it may be. So they look at interest rates, they look at headwinds, they look at tailwinds. You're not necessarily doing that. But in another sense, you're also quite contrarian in that you don't charge a management fee, you just charge a performance fee. Now, that goes against the grain for a lot of fund managers uh, who try to build an asset base um, and run their business on that, and it can be very lucrative. Whereas you're just saying, hang on, if the fund does well, we do well, and therefore, there's a real conviction about making sure the fund does well and the performance is good. Yes, very true. And if we take a step back, Chris, Collins Street Asset Management, founded by Michael Goldberg and Vasilios the Periglou, uh, is very much a business built by investors for investors. And when Michael and Vass were putting together the business, they were thinking, what would we be looking for as a client of an investment management firm? What type of investment model makes sense to us? And so for that reason, we believe alignment of interest is absolutely key. We're not seeking to grow big for the sake of growing big. We're never going to be a multi-billion dollar fund within Collins Street Value Fund. But we do believe quite, believe quite firmly in ensuring that we align our interests with our investors through that performance fee that you mentioned. And this, for us, requiring us to generate positive absolute returns means that we have a laser-like focus on capital preservation. Because if we invest in ideas half-heartedly and they decline in value, then that will see us have to forego performance fees until we get back to our previous high, or what your readers and listeners might be familiar with as a high watermark. That's not to say there won't be volatility or bumps along the way, but what it does ensure is that when we invest in things, that we do our research first and we go in with open eyes as to what those risks might look like. And Chris, the other side to this coin, of course, is capacity management, because as your readers and listeners would be aware, the more money you manage, the harder it is to actually generate superior medium to long-term returns. It starts becoming a bit like trying to turn around the Queen Mary and the Brisbane River. You just, you just can't do it. 
And so for us, we are not incentivized to grow beyond a particular point because we'd be starting to shoot ourselves in the foot and we wouldn't be able to generate those returns for our investors longer term. Now, granted, all asset classes are different and they have their own nuances in fee structures and whether performance fees are right for them or not. But for us, for our investors who are looking for capital preservation first and foremost, and who are looking for non-correlated superior returns over the medium to long term, then this is something that we've found is very much a sweet spot. Rob, are there any areas of the market that you specifically avoid? I mean, you, you mentioned oil and you mentioned uranium. Uh, those are probably areas that many fund managers have avoided for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any areas that, that you avoid specifically? Chris, we have a flexible mandate, as you mentioned before. The only areas we avoid are quite simply those which we don't understand. Now, there could be some cracking opportunities in the marketplace in the fields of quantum computing or in advanced areas of biomedical science and the like. And I'm sure there'll be people out there who make a lot of money off that and we wish them well. But for us, where we don't have the ability to understand it, to research it properly and to give it really its its due diligence that it deserves, then it tends to be an area that we step away from. As value managers, we have a natural preference towards the industrial sector because it is an area where businesses are able to differentiate themselves more than just simply on cost, which is what you find very much in the material sector. Uh, But we've held large caps all the way through to small caps. We've recently taken a position in a company called Hum, uh, which is very different to what you might expect it from a sectoral level anyway of a value manager. But we've also found opportunities across healthcare, consumer services, financials and the like. So we don't like to blinker ourselves in terms of where we seek opportunity. We don't necessarily exclude things, but core to our thinking is that simplicity and being able to fully research and understand the business model before hitting the button. Rob, it's been a really good summary of the fund and your strategy and the whole concept behind Collins Street. Thank you very much. We wish you well in 2022. Uh, we'll look forward to another 25%, although uh, <laughs> everyone, everyone likes to do that. We don't know what's ahead of us, but uh, all, all the best in what you do and best wishes to Mike and Bass. Thanks a lot, Chris. Best wishes to you and your team also. Take care.